Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week I'm so excited. I've been trying to get this guy on here for years and it finally happened. We're talking to Pete Byrne of Naked Eyes. I loved Naked Eyes, I still do, but I loved them back in the day when they first came out. I Those are some of like my earliest, like obsessively passionate musical memories. Those few first few hits from Naked Eyes. This one, always something there to remind me, Promises, Promises, When the Lights Go Out, what in the name of love? I love these songs. Uh, Pete and his partner, Rob Fisher, who, as most people know, have since passed away, unfortunately, uh, were one of those great synth-pop duos of that era. Pet Shop Boys, Erasure, OMD. I loved what they were doing. But it only lasted for two albums, which I've just never understood. Why? Why only two albums? Well, believe it or not, Pete is back. He put out an album earlier this year under the name Naked Eyes, called Disguise the Limit. And it's really good too, it's just so good to hear music from Pete Byrne again, you know? So I thought it would be really fascinating to learn more about, you know, what happened? Why were they only allowed two albums, successful albums, to, uh, you know, at the time to make it happen? And then ever since then, I've seen him several times at 80s concerts and I love him. I love hearing those songs live, it's fantastic. So we get into that, we get into how this new album, again, it's called Disguise the Limit, not The Sky, Disguise the Limit, clever. Uh, how that even happened and what he's been doing all this time. We also talk about why he sang backup with Stevie Wonder. We, say, we talk about why he wrote a hit for the Olsen twins. There's a lot of interesting stuff in here. I, anyway, I'm really glad this finally happened. He didn't have a ton of time, unfortunately, so it's not quite as long as in depth or we nor as we normally go. But I hope it rekindles your love of Naked Eyes. How could it not? These guys are fantastic. He called me from his home in Palos Verdes, Southern California. So, uh, for starters, I have to tell you, I've seen you in concert several times, um, but the first time was one of the greatest concert experiences of my life. And I'll tell you why, and maybe you'll remember this. So this was probably 14 years ago or so pre-social media. So I am sitting at work in Boulder, Colorado at IBM. Right. And, uh, you know, you don't, it's, if you want to know something about a band or an artist, you have to search it out. Nowadays right. that information finds you, but I was thinking, I really love ABC. Where is ABC? Whatever happened to ABC? Right. And I pull up their website and they are performing the next day in a park in Springfield, Springville, Utah with uh, you and right. the English beat. Right. And you're three of my favorite acts of wow. all time. And I've never seen you. I've seen Dave Wakeling several times, but I've yeah, never you, seen you, you and I've never seen you, you, uh, you ABC. Get, yeah, you can't get through a week without seeing Dave. He's That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> he's, he's great. He's a good friend of mine. So, you know. It's no, I know. It's true, though. I love him, but he is just perpetually on tour. I know. Um, so anyways, and the show was the very next day, and I'm originally from Utah. So mm. I call my wife. I tell my boss, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. And the next morning I hop in the car and I drive to Springville, which is a little town outside of Provo. Bands don't come through Springville, let alone in a park in the middle of nowhere. Why did, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Oh my God. Dream. Why did this even happen? Do you remember what I'm talking about? I, I exactly remember because I was, I was talking to somebody 
uh, yesterday, I think it was. And um, oh, it was a rehearsal. That's right. And we were we were getting ready because we're doing a couple of shows this weekend. And my drummer mentioned this show that we did in. In fact, we he didn't say where it was, but we were going, talking about when you're you know, you're playing doing the show, and you know somebody wants to cut the power because you're over time. Do you remember that part of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so great. And I remembered that night because it happened to us somewhere else and we were talking about that. But I remembered that night because it was ABC coming on after us. They were waiting in the wings. Uh-huh. And we're having a great time. We're playing our stuff and we're playing. And it comes to the end of the show. Always something there to remind me. And suddenly everyone's saying, you've, you've done. You've got to get off. I said, you must be joking. <laughs> So I think I said to the crowd something like, oh, I can't remember. Do you want to hear always something there to remind me of that? <laughs> I remember this. And they went crazy. And went, yeah! and, yes. and so I looked at the wings and everyone sort of shrunk away. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember this because it, it got off to kind of a late start. There was some kind of like an electric electrical issue or whatever was there, was there a storm or something i don't know if it was a storm because it was actually kind of a nice day but there was something <laughs> was unhooked or not working out so we stood in line for an hour or two longer than we were meant to right. so it was it got off to a late start but anyway that was so much fun and then i drove to salt lake a couple years later and i saw you with abc belinda carlisle oh. human league <laughs> That and I've done it great. a few other times too. I'm a sucker yeah. for the lost 80s stuff and you're almost always on. Yeah. It. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah, but that was a particularly good tour that one with um, Belinda and uh, Human League. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I love that. But that other one, the other one where everyone was trying to get me off the stage <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't going anywhere. No. No. It was crazy. And uh, I mean, so why were you in this little park in springville utah do you know i've no idea um because someone thought to bring um, you there uh english beat and uh who else was there it was me abc you abc ABC and english abc english beat and uh, naked eyes we did a few shows together we played in uh in chicago lincoln park Mm. so that's what i thought you were going to be talking about Mm. the lincoln park show that was beautiful i believe it because well, the show said, well, I saw was fantastic. It just was yeah. such an oddity. And I never would have known about it if I hadn't just right. the day before thought, whatever's ha- whatever is happening with ABC. And then there you guys were the next day. Yeah. So I drove yeah. out for it. It's crazy. Yeah, we did a lot of we've done a lot of stuff with ABC and uh and English Beat, of course, over the years, but that was particularly memorable for, for yeah. that reason, you know, because totally. doesn't happen a lot. People, you know, don't yeah. normally want to cut the power when you're just <laughs> About to play your biggest hit, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay, I, w- I have a lot more questions about those times, but we should talk about Disguise the Limit. Okay. You're not the most prolific songwriter out there, Pete. And uh, uh, <laughs> this is the first album of new materials for forever, 30-something years. No, Why no, now? No, where where, no, where no, have, no. have you been storing these songs? What's going on? No, 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 no. There have been other albums. You just haven't been paying attention. <laughs> well, I got fumbling for the covers. Yeah, but that, fumbling that was with the covers. covers. Fumbling with the covers was all a covers album, obviously. But there was another one. Um <laughs> oh, your solo album, The Real Illusion. I have that too. Real Illusion, yeah. And um, what was the other one I did? There was another one. There was another one. Uh, no, there's everything and more which is like a greatest hits with some remixes yeah, on it 
Yeah, that was a pretty good album. That was a compilation. But yeah, you're right, really. I mean, I'm always writing and doing things, so I'm not just lounging around on, on the beach in California. <laughs> no one I would promise. blame you if you were, indeed. <laughs> but uh, I might as well be sometimes. But no, the COVID thing sort of pulled this album together because I've been working on it for a couple of years. Different people played on it with me. And, um, I, I, you know, I want, I've, I've been promising to release it at some point. And when COVID started, I thought, I've got to finish this thing. So so that's what I did. I, I sort of got into it and started, because I have a lot of material, and I was I cut it down from 18 songs to 10. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's not as if I'm not re- writing and recording, right. but, you know. So, yeah, the next album's going to be much quicker because I'm already thinking about it. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, because I've got a lot of ideas that I haven't even put into songs. They're just like snippets of things. And so, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. But, yeah, th- so Disguise the Limit came about because COVID, I'm stuck in my studio, which is where I am right now. And um, I thought, yeah, it's, this is when I should finish this album. It's, you know, getting ridiculous now. <laughs> so I, that's what I did. I started mixing everything and put it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, foolishly said that was coming out at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you had to, then you had to hold yourself to it, right? And then I had to, and then I had to do it, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think it was probably just before COVID where I said, uh, you know, the album will be out. And, and at that point, I was calling it 2020, mm. right? Because I thought Naked Eyes, you know. Of course, 2020, 2020 that makes sense. Who that would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah. Except, you know, it didn't work like that. I was stuck in Europe at the end of uh, 19. So by the time I got back and one thing led to another and COVID happened and, uh, you know, we uh, you know, just couldn't do anything. So I thought, well, I can't call it 2020 now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I remember this thing. My little girl, when she was about five years old, she said to me, Daddy, what does disguise the limit mean? <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's great, darling. It's a, it's a pun. I said, yeah, you know, she, she meant the, the real thing, like, right. disguise the limit. What does uh-huh. disguise the limit mean? But the way she said it was disguise the limit. That's how she heard it, right? I wonder, so, that was genius. That's so a genius I love that. And, yeah. and it's been, you know, in the back of my mind for years. And I thought, well, if ever I'm going to just use a random title, now's the time. Now's the time, yeah. <laughs> so that was it. And uh, so, so are you getting like played on the radio? What's the single off this? What's been the Ready. reaction so far? Ready, it's great, it's really Good. great.
Yeah, Ready is the the main single. I don't know if you know Richard Blade. He's uh, I do. I yeah. you were on his show recently. That's right. I did a podcast, and um, yeah, he's been playing it. So you know, in LA, we're getting it out there. Uh, as far as everything else goes, I don't know because obviously it's on uh, all the streaming platforms now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know the original yeah. version was vinyl. I don't know if that's what you had, but uh, there was a vinyl before it was you know mm-hmm. uh, all sorted out, and then CD and, and the streaming platforms. That's so, great. Yeah, so it's doing very well. I'm 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 enjoying it, and uh, you know that's why I'm doing interviews because it's Good. out and people yeah. can go and play it or download it or whatever stream it which i don't care obviously when i see you got when i see you live as i like i said as i have three or four times it's always been on a like a retro tour Um, and so you have your allotted time which is typically four to eight songs something like that are you going to be able to work a song or two from this into your set from here on out Yes, in fact, um, I've been playing two songs, um, Future, um, what is it called? Oh, it's, Future it's in song, a Photograph. Future in a Photograph. title of that's changed a number of times as well oh really anyway, yeah it was actually the last song that i wrote with rob fisher my my ex-partner yeah, right? yeah. so it is it, it means a lot to me so whenever i sing it i i apply it to him it, it's originally called i can't get over losing you so it when i'm singing it it's i sing it about him but it, the song you know we we wrote it was the last thing we wrote together virtually interesting and, that's my favorite song on the album uh, you know, they, that's funny because you're about third, fourth person. Said really? That. Yeah. I love that one. I love Piccadilly. I love Dream yeah. Together. Yeah, there's yeah. lots of good songs on there.
Yeah, there are. And uh, yeah, Piccadilly is another of my favorites. And, and that's the other one that I do live. I have been for okay. you know, about a year, actually. So yeah, I, we, we were thinking about it. I did play a couple of long, you know, like 75 minute shows a few weeks ago. Oh, one good. up in, in just outside Sacramento and the other one in the, uh, I was going to say the Far East, in, not in, in the Midwest. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So is that, okay, so one of the things we touch on sensitively on here is the business side of things. And I was yeah. especially curious with you because you have a few, you have what, four top 40 hits. One of them yeah. in particular gets played still all the time, but you didn't right. write it, but you do have the definitive version of it. That's right. So yeah. I like, how did, how does Pete Byrne who doesn't release new music all the time, but plays these shows so often, how do you make a living? Well, it depends. I mean, in 2018, I did 25 shows. Did you? Okay. So, and prior to that, for the five years before that, it was always, you know, 15, 20 shows a year. So I do quite well um, on that, on live performance. But there's a company called Sound Exchange, you, know, you may have heard of. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if your record is played a lot, then they tab it up and it's, uh, it's pretty good, actually. Good. Um, you do quite well because ASCAP obviously is not something that uh, you know your songwriting royalties are not as good as they used to be. But on the other hand, I have a fantastic deal with a, a publisher called Cobalt. I own my own publishing, by the way. Great. I own all okay. the good stuff, so I, I do quite well out of that. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's not too bad. So the twenty-five shows a year, fifteen yeah. to twenty-five shows a year, and the sound ex exchange or whatever from your bigger yeah. hits yeah. that provides a nice living. You're good with that. Yeah. Oh man. What a life you, you deserve that Pete. That is great. <laughs> yes. That is great. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, you know, and I have, a good, I have a great manager and an attorney and my team and everything. So, you know, I, I have people on top of this stuff, so it's yes. not, uh, you know, good for you. Good for yeah. you. Um, yeah. Okay. I, you mentioned fumbling with the covers. I wanted to ask you about that album too, because when I saw, when I saw you, I think the second time with Human League and everything, that was just brand new. Oh, okay. And I think it's a really strong album because one thing I didn't realize until seeing you live is how much you play the guitar. You're not a shredder or anything, but you no. incorporate the guitar into your songs in ways that you may not think if you listen to the them on CD or something like no. that. And so you doing this covers album of you largely on an acoustic guitar, I especially think when the lights go out, sounds yeah. so beautiful. And that, that's probably my favorite Naked Eyes song. It seems that everything is all too much, but she just lays in bed at night. The days are right with them when the lights go out. Calls your name when the lights go out. Always the same. Always someone left out in the rain. It's always the same. She's the kind of needs the tender touch. She never wants to compromise. What you thought you'd never have gets up and disappears before your eyes. The days are right with them when the lights go. 
anyway. It's probably, yeah, it's probably the best recording on that album yeah. as well. It, it, you know, for some reason, I recorded it very well. Yes. Um, some of them are a little bit iffy, but they're songs I love. And, and you know, I got to thinking, you know, people, you know, people just loved music. Uh-huh. You know, they don't know that you spent three months, you know, check, check, uh, tracking this hi-hat, and, right. you know, which is what happens in real recordings. I mean, I spent... You know, six months making my first album, I was in Abbey Road 24-7. I had lockout and every everything I wanted, right? And literally we would, you know, go to ridiculous lengths. I mean, you know, to record sounds and things like that. We would, uh, you know, spend thousands of dollars. I mean, I, I can't right. remember what the final tab was, but I had to pay it all back. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but it was worth it because that album is, 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 is a great album. Um, I... Um, but yeah, you know, these days, it, you know, that album, that fumbling with the covers, I just—it was just after Rob died. Well, not just after, but a, a, a short while after. And I haven't been performing, obviously, as you probably know. Naked Eyes never performed back in the day because I wondered about that. You guys reason, didn't tour or anything. The reason was that we were literally an analog synth band. Yeah, there were no computers, there were no um, sequences, so Rob couldn't just play tracks that he'd recorded on the on the record and I can sing live which is you know quite a lot of what people do these days we had no way of recording of uh, performing live so we didn't there was nothing right. we could do about it we tried to we were we were offered tours with Hall and Oates and uh, a few other people and w- once we um, actually got a band together and started to re- rehearse but it was just sounded like a, a bar band playing Naked Eye songs you know, when I listened to the playback of it, I thought, I'm not going to go out and do this. It's yeah. just not right. It, it it doesn't make any sense. It was the same for everybody back then, by the way. I mean, yeah. you know, Human League couldn't really tour live. I don't sure. know what they did. I remember Pet Shop Boys didn't for a long time either. Yeah. Same idea. Although by the time Pet Shop Boys came around, which was late 85 or whatever, they, they did have the, the facility to use computers. Mm-hmm. That's true. We didn't. I mean, there weren't any computers. The Apple One came out in 83 while we were you know, recording our first album. And Rob was a genius with analog synths, which, you know, as you know, you know, you have to actually build the sounds yourself. Yes. You know, you know, there were no presets like there are now, or there yeah. were in 85. I mean, 80, 85 is a pivotal year because that's when the uh, DX7 came out and the um, the Roland, uh, whatever it was, Juno, which had presets and people could, you know, even if they weren't like great keyboard players, they could get, great sounds out of them because they were full of presets. Whereas all the synths we used, Rob had to literally build the sounds. Mm. So was he the one yeah, primarily was, working on the keyboards or were you in there yeah. too? No. What was, how no, was the work Rob divided? Was, Rob, was a, Rob was a classically trained, you know, pianist, organist. Was he? I mean, yeah. He played at, at school. He played the organ at school, at the church and everything. You know what I mean? And so he was absolutely fabulous. I mean, he could play anything, but not only that, he was, uh, uh, an electronics major at university. Mm. So he used to build all these um, little boxes and things for the synths. Mm. And he would build these sounds and then he would put them through control voltage gates or whatever. And so you could just hold down a cord and it would pump all the time. You know, it was just before, you know, sequences, before computers. So it was possible to do that, but not live because that would, t- you know, what's he going to do? How's, how's he going to mm-hmm. play any of the other sounds? I mean, our album, each song had maybe eight different synths on it. Mm. 
It's wow. quite amazing. Yeah. I could, I could see that. So yeah. when the first album comes out in America, yeah. I think it's Britain, it's burning bridges in America. It's self-titled Yeah, and you're getting, good. you have three hits off of that album and things right. are going well. Yeah. So if you're not touring, are you just back in a studio creating yes. fuel for the fire, fuel for the yes. fire then? Yeah, it was a record company uh, intervention because, as I just said, we tried to put a band together and we just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. There was no technology to enable us to sound like Naked Eyes. Yeah. That was the problem. Yeah. And so we're dithering about like that and and they're saying, what's happening with this tour? And we're saying, well, we can't do it. You know, it sounds like a bar band playing Naked Eyes songs. Uh, you know, it's a waste of time, really. Mm-hmm. And we waited another year, two years maybe, then when once computers suddenly caught up with the fact that you could sequence everything mm-hmm. and, you know, you can run computers through MIDI, you could play one and sound like two, that sort of thing. Yeah, we were just ahead of the curve on the technology okay. side, so it was impossible. Yeah. And so they said, well, you know, rather, you better be, you better go in and, and record, record another album. So we did. Why did that album not take off like the first one? I don't, well, I don't think we had the support from EMI that we did I the first one, at least in America, mm-hmm. because it was a departure from the sound that we created. Was it, so though? Like, love. What in the Name of Love is one of the best singles of the 80s. <laughs> and there's lots of other stuff on Fuel that sounds good. Yeah. I don't think, I don't understand what the problem is, you know? Well, we'd introduced guitars into it, uh, oh. which changed the sound quite a lot. Uh, what in the Name of Love, the original version of that was a B-side to an early version of Promises, Promises.
which Rob and I recorded, just the two of us produced it ourselves. And uh, you may have heard it. It's on um, it's on a couple of the records. Yeah, I'm pretty guess, sure I've heard it. Yeah, I can't remember what, what it's on, but it's on a couple of the compilations. And it's not bad, um, but it does. it's not that full thing, the Arthur Baker, you know, crazy, you know, New York street thing. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. And, and you know, that song goes down beautifully live. The crowds love yeah. it. And it's really up tempo. It's dancey. It's you know. Totally. And I, I play I play guitar on it, and nobody seems to notice. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a great sing along. The big what? You know, the yeah, whole crowd getting into that. Yeah. Yeah. Was there not even a second single off of Fuel? Did they just decide we're going to throw oh. one out there and then be done with Naked Eyes? No, Sa- Sacrifice was supposed to be the second single. Ah, okay. We even did a 12-inch mix of it, which once again is out. I'm, God, I can't remember. I, what was the album that, that we put that on? Isn't it on Everything and More? Or? I think they are on Everything and More, and I think they're on something else as well. You know? Yeah. yeah no, they're not on. They're not on the uh, on the latest uh, mastered version of uh, of the Naked Eyes album, mm-hmm. which uh, which does have the 12-inch versions with uh, Jelly Bean reco- uh, mm-hmm. mixed. With Madonna, Madonna, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but of course, the fuel for the fire. I think I know. In fact, I know they're on the fuel for the fire CD because yeah. I compiled that okay. CD. Yeah. Okay. So, so that we had twelve inch mixes of sacrifice and what in the name of love, mm. but you know the, there just wasn't the heart in it from the mm. record label. And Rob and I, uh, I was out in LA. I got married in '84, and Rob was my best man actually. And we, uh, you know. We were living apart, Rob and I. Rob was in London and he was doing sessions in London. I was out in LA doing sessions. I sang with Stevie Wonder on Part Time Lover.
uh, which was a, an amazing experience, as you can imagine. I forgot about oh, that. So great. Um, <laughs> and I, I was, uh, I did a lot of stuff. Rita Coolidge. Uh, How'd you get the Stevie Wonder gig? Tell us this story. I, I, I've been working with um, Gary Elizabeth, his his engineer producer slash producer, and we'd become friends. We just ran into each other in a bar in LA. And we started chatting and he said, why don't you come in and we'll record some stuff. So I spent maybe six months at Wonderland Stevie studio in LA recording some of the new stuff that I was working on. Yeah. And that was it really. And then one night he just called me, it was 10 o'clock. He said, Stevie wants you to come in and, and sing backgrounds on part-time lover. Are you, are you free? <laughs> That's insane. I know. So of course I, I was really busy that night. I was working with the Eagles, but <laughs> I'm kidding. And I'm, I'm joking. I, I was. I was going to say I was, what? I know. I was sitting by the fire, watching television actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I'm on my way." So I, I drove up to at Wonderland, and like I said, I've been working there with him. And it was a whole bunch of us. There was uh, uh, Bailey and Cyrita and Luther Vandross and all these fantastic. Singers, and I was part of this pack of us doing backgrounds with Stevie Wonder. Wow, <laughs> it was amazing! Wow, it was absolutely amazing. And and actually, I, I was hanging out with Stevie a little bit after that, and we worked on a few ideas. Nothing ever got recorded or released, but it was just a, a thrill to be around the man, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> absolute legend, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, what besides, I mean. There's a long gap, Pete, after Fuel for the Fire. There's, like, what yeah. do you do? I mean, when you wake up, the I don't know, do you wake up one morning and you realize, you know what, Naked Eyes is over. No. You're not going to do it. So I, I, I got to figure know, out something else. I, I have to tell you, and this was from the, you know, when I first realized that music was to be my life, it's always been like that. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly playing the guitar. I'm constantly recording, writing. You know, the, the first time I knew it was when I was in the south of France when I was 17, hitchhiking with my, a friend of mine and we hitched from uh, Monte Carlo all the way to Marseille, right? Stopping off in all the beautiful Centre Bay, Saint-Germain-le-Pin, all those places. And we had a summer, probably about a month of doing that. And the only way we could make any money was if I was busking and we'd get, you know, some American girls to give us a couple of bucks, <laughs> a couple of francs, and right. so we'd buy pizza. And th- that's what we did, uh, you know, and we, we lived off this. And it occurred to me that if this was as great as it got, that I'd be happy with that. I, um, it, you know, that's what I do. I get up in the morning, make coffee, sit around, listen to the radio, watch TV, play the guitar, and, you know, write songs, basically. <laughs> <laughs> what a life. My God. I know. That's it's not great. bad. No. But it was because I committed myself to it. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I never had a plan B. When times were tough and I was sleeping on somebody's floor who didn't even have floorboards, they just had the struts, you know, and I'm sure the rats were running about. But I, uh, you know, uh, it, it was my commitment to the art, to the form, whatever. Yeah. And I and and it, it never wa- I never wavered from it. I've always been there doing that. Huh. I mean, and I've got a lot of friends in LA. I, I did other sessions uh, over the years. Princess Stephanie, for instance, from Monaco. 
is out and making making her album. And I was involved in that. I was recording with her, singing harmonies with her. You know, uh, you know, many many something with the Olsen twins too, right? Yeah, I I actually that I am the cute one was the biggest music, biggest selling music video of nineteen whenever it was. I know. Really? Our own produced it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. I you just found these weird little niches where you could it's insert cool. yourself, make my some music, did. make some money, and move I on. Didn't, I had no idea about the program. Uh, I just, my, my, my manager at the time, who also managed Lionel Richie and uh, Kenny Rogers and was big in the, you know, like serious music, he, uh, he said, uh, he, he was managing the Olsen twins. That's right. And he said, have you, uh, you know, could you write a song for a couple of twins, little girls, six years old they are? I said, you're kidding. He said, no, have a go at it. So I'm um, driving down to San Diego with my wife. And, and I said, I got this thing, you know, this, um, this remit from my manager, from Bob Hinkle, to uh, write a song for these twins. I said, do you know anything about them? She said, oh, yeah, the Olsen twins. She said, it's a kid's thing. I said, oh, yeah, so... Um, you know, I've got I've got to write a song for them. So I said, what about I am the cute one and she's just my sister? Which was kind of, you know, like a, a, yeah. the only way I could do it to turn it into. And I already had a track I was working on that I'd virtually finished a song that would have been for me, actually. So uh-huh. instead of all I did was change the lyric and the melody and wrote this song for the Olsons. Oh my gosh. I am the cute one, she's just my sister. That's crazy. And it was the biggest selling music video of the year. That is wild. <laughs> what a wild story. I know. Um, okay. I got to ask you about something else. Your solo mm-hmm. album in particular. So yeah. a few years ago, I had Neil Taylor on. Oh, Neil's one of, one of my best friends. You know, Neil's all over my new album. Is he? I wondered about that. Yeah, he does a guitar on, on everything. On, okay. Uh, I wondered. Billy, I love him. In fact, ready. I talked to him and we hung up. And when we hung up the phone, news broke that Prince had died. That was oh, the day man. that I'll never forget it. I was yeah. I was having this great conversation with Neil. Hang up, and immediately it's early in the morning, and we find out Prince died. Anyway, oh, he's he's a great old friend of mine. I discovered him in Bath playing in uh, in his little bar band. Right? Really? This was when my publisher was telling Rob and I we had to go out. This is long before EMI. Uh, my partner's saying you need to put a band together. So I got Neil 
Kurt Smith, Manny Elias, the drummer, producer for his, Kurt, obviously, and, uh, and Rob and I. So we were a five-piece. And we called ourselves Neon. Rob and I had already released a couple of records under the name Neon. Uh, one of them, uh, Communication Without Sound, had Neil playing guitar on it. But they were just pretty much Rob and I, you know. So Neil and I have uh, been friends ever since then, uh, before he played with Tears, before he played with Robbie Williams. And, you know, as I was making this album, he was the obvious guy for, you know, I just said, hey, Neil, you want to do a few songs? So I'd send him the tracks, record brilliant guitars, send them back to me in LA, I mix them, and uh, and that was it. Yeah, he's That's on half great. the album. I wondered about that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I spoke to him a few years ago. He told me a story I'll never forget. When I asked him about playing on your last, on the Real Illusion album, he was saying that um, he told this story about how you had become so LA, so California. And you came to pick him up from his hotel and in your car. Yeah. And you guys, wherever you were going, was like two blocks down the road. So you picked him up, you drove the two blocks, you pulled over, you park, and you get out. <laughs> because everyone in LA has to drive. You know what? It doesn't. It doesn't take you very long to appreciate that in Los Angeles. Because right. I, I got it one day. I had three meetings on Sunset. Right. Uh huh. Probably you know a couple of miles stretch of it. Right. Uh-huh. And, I, and I did what all English people do. I went and parked in a parking lot somewhere. And then I walked to the first one. And I thought, fuck me, this is, you know, this is a bit of a trek. And then after the first one, I, I was supposed to be at the next place in, in like 20 minutes. And I started to walk there and I thought, this is ridiculous. So for the third one, I got a taxi. <laughs> but I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. And now like everyone else in LA, if I go to the mall, or not the mall, but if I go to one of these, uh, what do you call them, with the different shops, different stores, right. I'll, I'll, I'll park at one, do what I'm doing, then I'll drive around to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> You've become so L.A. Oh, yeah, man. Yes. It's so funny. Yeah. So, okay, so I wanted to ask you about that uh, solo album because it's really strong and it sounds like uh someone who like naked eyes were yeah. attuned to to keyboards and technology and synths but yeah. expanding it for modern times like that your cover of painted black on there oh yeah so killer How, yeah, it is. were these songs you and rob were working on what what was the story with this oh, actually album? i don't have the tracks listed i think there's a song called the last to know that i wrote with rob The 
Uh, and he, actually, yeah, he, he, he was, yeah, it was a, pretty much the demo, uh, Last Snow. Um, and the song I did with Neil was when he was out in LA and we've recorded that in my studio here. Were you, did you get played on the radio? Were you, why were there not more Pete oh. Byrne solo albums? Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty much self-financed, you know, everything. Once again, I, well, you know, it's just, I had the, the tracks, put it out. I got the I got the title actually from um, I was reading about this this girl in what was that L.A. paper used to come out every week L.A. Weekly yeah L.A. Weekly yeah I never forget it it was this article written by this porn star and she and, and it was titled The Real Illusion I thought I'm taking that <laughs> yes. yes yes it is a great title so yeah. I wrote a song called The Real Illusion and the album's called The Real Illusion. This great woman from MTV that I was in contact with, she she kind of helped me put it together. She, uh, you know, did the thing. The Peacocks were because in Paint It Black, I was, I'm, I'm in uh, Palos Verdes. I don't know if you know LA. Mm. Do you know Palos Verdes? A little bit, yeah. It's a, it's a wild part of uh, town. It's uh, cliffs and waves and everything. It's not the normal, uh, you know, California beachfront, um, but it's a beach area. And... Uh, there were wild peacocks all over the place. And I when I was recording that, when I, I was recording Paint It Black, I'd left the window open and the peacocks had joined in on the track. Oh, really? Uh, yes. So if you listen to it next time, next time you listen to it, um, you'll hear the peacock because I, I isolated it, uh, you know, edited it and made it a thing. So it's a whole part of the song, this no peacock. Way. Oh, uh, yeah. no way. Which is it's cool because it's it's an Indian thing as well, peacocks, and uh, the song has that Indian motif, uh, you know, in the Stones one anyway with the sitar. Sure. And, but the melody is kind of that notation. So there was that, and also some friends of mine had a, a, a Greek cousin or something staying with them who had this fantastic voice, and I was recording her for them or for something, and um, I put it into the track. Right, I did an edit of a piece of her singing, put it in the track when they all went crazy about it because she's deeply religious and this song, Paint It Black and all the rest of it. So they, you know, they said, no, you can't use it. So I just 
in, in those days, you know, the computers allowed you to just switch the sample around. So it's sure. backwards. So in the song, Paint It Black has this beautiful Greek girl singing, but the sample is backwards. And then the peacock, mm. it's a thing. Okay. Anyway. I'm going to listen to it right after we hang up. <laughs> I uh, I love that album and that song, and I've n- never known that story about the peacock. Okay, I'll look yeah. up. Neon, I wanted to ask you about that specifically. For anyone who doesn't know, Neon birth Naked Eyes and Tears for Fears. Yeah. Um, they you guys both are having a lot of success around the same time. They, of yeah. course, just explode there for a little while. Yeah. When you're working with them, I think Roland came in at the end. Yes. Or, okay. I mean, is it apparent to you? What's it like working with those guys? Did uh well, Did they Kurt, have their own ideas that were clear yeah. and that's why they need to go start their own thing? Well, I mean, Kurt was the original bass player in Neon and Neil Taylor was the guitarist. So, you know, uh, that was the band. And then Neil left. He had, because uh, he's, you know, he had this three-piece kind of hard rock band and he left to do that. And, you know, we thought, well, we let's get a guitar- another guitarist. And Kurt said, uh, what about Roland? So I said, yeah, let's try it. See how it goes. So we did, and uh, it was pretty good. Uh, it wasn't as good as the Neil Taylor version of Neon. Mm. That was really great. But, okay. um, but yeah, it was fun. They were great guys. And, yeah, like you say, Roland sort of did bring something. We recorded maybe four tracks that were never released, uh, which Roland played guitar on, and uh, those, are, those are pretty cool. They just aren't great versions of them. You know, yeah. They could come out on a weird album down the road, you know. Yeah, yeah. When you see them taking off, especially in the states like that, with songs from the Big Chair and stuff, what? Are, how are you feeling at the time? Are you happy for them? Are you oh, envious? Yeah. Are you? What are no, you I, was, I, was, I was really happy for them. I, I, uh, I, I really love their first album. I mean, that, that's you know, the songs from the Big Chair was much more commercially successful, but you know, it was the first album that I really loved, and they were doing really well in England with that first album when Rob and I suddenly exploded in the states. And it wasn't until 85 that they, you know, the, the, the big commercial songs of theirs came out. And, by, you know, by that time we'd been, you know. In fact, I saw Roland uh, probably about two or three months ago. We were in the same store 
We shop at the same clothing store. Really? <laughs> no way. <laughs> so, so we we uh, you know talked about old times and everything, and you know it's cool. Yeah. Um, Good. Yeah. Good. I wondered about that. Yeah. Um, so okay. So what about you personally? I mean, you live in LA. Do you have kids? Do you have? Yeah. Are you still married? Do you? What's your yeah, story? Are you uh, a grandpa? About, yeah, we we um, we're not exactly married in a regular sense. We live in different houses. Oh, um, but we're great friends. My wife is a fabulous poet writer. Uh, my children went to NYU. Are both really you know creative, and uh, I live in California. I live in Los Angeles. It's not bad. That's wild. Does your wife yeah. live in Los Angeles too, or is she somewhere yeah. else? Yeah, she's in LA as well. She lives okay. in Laurel Canyon. Oh, yeah, oh, nice. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So when you look back on your career, do you, I mean, you know, normally when I ask this question, I'm assuming there's going to be like a fun touring story or I met Bowie or I opened for whoever, mm-hmm. but you got, you having had sort of a different career than that, what are some of the memories you have? I mean, who were your heroes when you were growing up that made you want to be a musician? Did you ever meet them? Uh, let's think. I met a few of the Stones. I never met Mick, but um, I, I always loved the Stones. The, that was the first record I ever bought, the Rolling Stones, it was called. Mm. And it had all these uh, great R&B songs on it. Hendrix, I, I loved. I got to see him play three times, saw him at the Albert Hall. Dylan. Uh, Dylan's probably my favorite of all time. I, really? I love Dylan. Well. Yeah. And did you I, meet I, I, him? Yeah, I did once actually, but it was uh, it was at the forum and it was backstage and he had white face on. It was a, huh. I can't remember what the show was. I mean, I think that was around it, that tangled up in blue period, right? It, it, it's actually later than that. It was, but yeah, it, it, you know, most people are really cool and, and nice to me. I met John McEnroe uh, backstage once, and he was a great guy. We hung out after, went to the local play, you know. People, people are pretty cool. On all in all, you know, I wish I'd met Hendrix, of course, and uh, and the Beatles. It's so um, interesting you naming all these kind of guitar-based artists and stuff when you're yeah. known for synths. I know. Yeah, it's you true. Know. I mean, the, the band I had before Rob and I got together was, uh, you know, it was a. Uh, uh, I guess what we would call us. We were a guitar-based band, a four-piece. Really. Yeah, with a great bass player as well uh, and drummer. I mean, it was a pretty a good band, and we were world famous in Bath. <laughs> <laughs> right. A big deal in Bath. <laughs> a big, yeah, I mean, we you know couldn't go anywhere in Bath without being mobbed. Just kidding. <laughs> but when that band broke up, they went off to LA to um, do the the um, you know the the guru thing. You know, I met Rob, and we we you know just hung out, and he was you know. He just took my music in a different direction. I mean, my job was lyrics and melodies. And, you know, so that's how it worked. We both worked on melodies. I did virtually all the lyrics. Yeah, in fact, I did all the lyrics. Come thinking. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, Rob was such a genius with synthesizers. He Because I didn't like keyboard-based bands. I, I thought I didn't like those organs and that sort of thing. You know, Emerson, Lake and Palmer weren't my cup of tea. Mm. I preferred the pistols. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and, and funny saying that because this band that I had before Rob and I, before Naked Eyes or Neon, was um, we were called Studio and we were a four-piece guitar band, but we were right in the middle of the punk era. So, really? And being a, a, like a small-town band from Bath, 
the best shows we could get were opening for punk bands. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course. We opened for the Lurkers and a, and a group called 999 who were like old, like real yeah. punk. Yeah, I've and heard they, of 999. I know that. Yeah. Their people that liked them were punks. Uh-huh. So we, you know, in fact, there's a great review of us, uh, and it was this guy, this guy in Bath, uh, the local paper, and he said, because uh, he saw us a week before, he said, and we were doing our normal thing, he said a week later, we were playing for our lives. Nine, 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 and this fucking mob of, uh, you know, crazy punks. Uh-huh. And I've, I've got photos, actually, where they're storming the stage and they're spitting. I mean, you can't imagine what that's yeah. like. I mean, yeah. so I I often think that's why my stage performance is what it is, because, I'm, I, you know, I'm just diving out of the way of people screaming <laughs> right. at me. <laughs> I totally get it. Right. Okay. One last little weird, uh, weird question before I let you go. Um, yeah. Were you were you invited to sing on? Uh, do they know it's Christmas or anything like that? Yeah. I was, ju- I hadn't, hadn't thought of this until we were talking and I'm thinking yeah. that's 85. That's around yeah, the time it, you would have still been just, doing stuff. Yeah. It was just after the, the real analog synth thing. Yeah. Ended. I mean, most of the bands that were doing stuff on, uh, what's it called? Uh, do they know it's Christmas? What's Band-Aid. Called? Yeah. Band-Aid. Yeah. Most of the bands, they were that kind of uh, hybrid. Mm-hmm. They all had guitars. They were playing synths, but they weren't, like was human league on it no no you're like, right and like howard like, jones wasn't on it and stuff oh how, howard wasn't it, it. what's that I wasn't howard on it i don't I think, think howard jones was on band-aid oh okay yeah i mean it, so we weren't invited because you know we were a little bit mm-hmm. uh you know yeah. like a couple of years earlier if it had been I in 83 or even 84 we probably would have been but uh yeah, you know, it was a great event, obviously. Just curious, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Pete, I uh, I love you a lot, if you can't tell. Yeah, thanks, I've man. been a Naked Eyes is one of my earliest childhood music memories, and I've been a, a fan and committed thanks. ever since. I appreciate so, it so much. And, and I'll be talking to Neil in a week or so, but I'll mention ooh, this. I'll mention yeah. you, I don't know. know if he'll even remember me, but we had a fantastic conversation about four years ago. Yeah, so, I'll, t- I'll tell him, and, and I'll, I'll tell him what a great uh, interview it's been. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. All right, there you have it. Pete Byrne. Check out Disguise the Limit, if for no other reason, just out of curiosity. What is it that one of one half of one of those great synth-pop duos, what is he doing now? It's all, it's all right there on Disguise the Limit. I want to close it out with another track off of Fuel to the Fire, because I think that's a really underappreciated sophomore album from them. This is Eyes of a Child. I love this song, too. If nothing else, get your hands on like a Naked Eyes Greatest Hits or something like that. Those songs are just evergreen. They still they hold up. They are still so good. Now, next week's guest, I think I mentioned before, um, I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do. So, it's either going to be a member of a classic rock band who sort of embraced synthesizers in the 80s for a whole new lease on life, or... It's going to be a member of a band, I think, who are one of the most important bands ever, that sort of created New Wave by merging the synths of, uh, you know, that was happening with punk rock. So it's one of those two guys. That's who's coming up next week. I haven't decided yet. I'm not sure which one I'll get to. Huge thanks, as always, to Jan the Man Makiewicz, my right-hand man, for everything that you do. Thank you, buddy. I'm glad we get to do this together. 
Uh, you guys know the drill by now. You can like our page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. And like it or not, there is a lot of bonus material coming up. You probably saw that I did another one of those podcaster panels that we put out this last weekend with some of our podcasting friends. I am uh, scheduling at least two or three more of those before Christmas. I don't know why. I just wanted to catch up with some of my podcasting friends at the end of the year, shoot the breeze, talk about something, maybe a countdown, and uh, share it with all of you, uh, for better or worse. So look out for that. And I'm working on a few different bonus episodes, um, some a couple of book clubs, uh, bonus apps, maybe a promo mode. So between now and the end and Christmas, anyway, you're likely to get bombarded with content. Hope that's okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Love you.